Hello, everybody. Today you have Jake flying solo. I'm going to be discussing the 2023 MCU film, The Marvels. This is a direct sequel to Captain Marvel from 2019 and a continuation of the miniseries Miss Marvel, WandaVision, and Secret Invasion. The film was directed by Nia DaCosta, who also was famous for doing the Candyman uh, sequel. She also co-wrote the screenplay with Megan McDonnell and Alyssa Karasik. It features Brie Larson as Carol Danvers, Tionya Paris as Monica Rambeau, and Amon Vellani as Kamala Khan, alongside Zawe Ashton as Denbar, and in supporting roles as Gary Lewis, Park Sejun, Zenobia Shroff, Mohan Kapoor, Sagar Shaikh, and Samuel L. Jackson. In the film, Danvers, Rambo, and Khan team up after they begin swapping places with each other every time they use their powers. <clears throat> the filming began in mid-April 2021, and the principal photography began in July of 2021 and concluded almost a year later in May 2022. And... I actually believe there was even more extensive, there was more filming after that uh, because that was 18 months ago and the film just came out uh, and there have been reported reshoots since then. So the exact level of reshoots is not quite certain. And the only reason I'm calling that out is the amount of cooks in the kitchen were really obvious in this film. And I'll get into that in a moment. The Marvels premiered last week on November 7th in the U.S., and it received mixed reviews from critics. Uh, it was actually in the 50s until there was a big dump in like the last few minutes of basically Thursday night to get it to 61%, which is something studios do sometimes. They'll hold back positive, basically positive, lower-tiered critics uh, in their back pocket who they basically paid for just to kind of see which way the wind's blowing and see how, kind of see how many reviews they need to buy to hit 60%. Uh, and that definitely happened here. Uh, the, f the film flopped. We're going to get into the performance in, in a few minutes uh, a little more specifically because um, it kind of plays into some of the things I want to talk about. But yeah, this film was a potential bomb at $48.5 in the U.S. It made $110 million internationally. And that is effectively, I believe, roughly 65 to 75% lower than the previous film made. So definitely troubling, definitely a continuing downward trend for Marvels. However, there are a few things, I, at least one major thing I do want to caveat first. While this film has a slow start, start it might not be a flop. There have been several family films over the past year uh, or in recent memory who have, all opened, who have all opened softly and end up having really good legs that either turn them into big successes or just, just successful. Uh, so I do think some time is needed to really get a good view of this performance. And just to illustrate that, Puss in, the Puss in Boots sequel, Elemental, and The Little Mermaid live-action film all had slow starts. All had, if you look at where they ended in terms of uh, box office revenue, it's pretty impressive in terms of legs. So, and the reason I bring that up again, this film is first and foremost a family film. More so than any of the other Marvel films, this is a film I feel like that's geared for kids uh, better or worse. Second, and this is really, really important before we go into this film. This film didn't fail because of toxic fans, Russian, Chinese, or, or Iranian trolls, or culture wars, or anti-wokeism, or even the numerous overbearded and underemployed YouTube personalities who seem to be basking in this failure. It wasn't caused by white males, or really any males at all. 
this movie failed because it didn't bring in any of the key demographics or key audiences that it was targeting and that it was trumpeting representation for, namely women, minorities, and young people. And I'm not, I just, I probably sound grumpy. I'm not grumpy. I am very happy that the reason I dislike this movie isn't because of the leads. The, and to be honest, I actually don't dislike this movie. I actually think this movie is pretty enjoyable. Uh, the reason I'm disappointed for this movie or in this movie is not because of the leads or demographics of the cast. It's because of the storytelling, honestly, and a couple other things that, that are really outside of this film's control. And that's the other thing. This film's success or lack of success, I, I normally don't say this. It's kind of outside of its hands because the backlash for comic book fatigue, it's real. There is comic book fatigue, and it's not across the board, as we've seen with the Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, as we've seen with the boys on TV or Invincible, or that we've seen with Guardians of the Galaxy, even in Marvel earlier this year. This is fatigue with subpar content. And just quickly bringing it back to the idea, and to be honest, the backlash for blaming toxic fans, misogynist fans, racist fans, I did see that initially. That did seem to be like the knee-jerk reaction of a lot of the publications, and I think also probably the knee-jerk reaction of the PR firms employed by Disney and Marvel, uh, whose job is to kind of spin things. I think that's our natural reaction when something underperforms. And my hope, my sincere hope, is that someone at Marvel or Disney stepped in and stopped that machine mid-pump. One, because it's just inaccurate. Number two, it's a really bad idea to misinterpret fan disgruntled, disappointed, or potentially even angry fans as toxic and demonizing them. And if you need to look any further, just look at Kathleen Kennedy. The reason I bring that up and the reason that I called out the uh, the lack of representation for women, minorities, and young people as being the issue that caused this to fail. Now, with that being said, not enough white males saw this either, who was, spoiler alert, the main film demographic in this country and the biggest comic book film demographic in this country because it's one of the largest demographics in this country. Not because it should be or whatever. It just it, We always talk about representation. There's a lot of white guys in the audience. So with that being said, 19% of the opening weekend audience for the Marvels was aged between 18 and 24. And 30% was 25 to 34. By comparison, 40% of the Marvel, of the Captain Marvel audience in 2019 was 18 to 24. Uh, those figures suggest that much of that key audience has already aged out. That marks a sea change. Uh, these blockbusters, I'm sorry, excuse me, this is courtesy of IndieWire. The tracking is just 19% of the film. This could be a potential sea change because blockbusters has always been thought of being powered by teenagers and the youngest adults. The younger the audience, though, the worse it gets. Those aged 13 to 17 accounted only for 8% of viewers. That's a huge problem. This film is geared towards 17 and under, specifically females, and neither of those demographics are coming out. Elaborating on that, according to Box Office Pro, 61% of the Marvel's audience was male. That's 6% higher than Captain Marvel, which is 55%. 67% were older than 25. That's slightly older than Captain Marvel, that was 63%. 
And premium formats comprise 45% of the box office, higher than Captain Marvel at 34%. Specifically, that premium format just exemplifies that they were selling even fewer tickets than Captain Marvel, but that's been somewhat mitigated due to the higher premium format. So if we were to have that same breakout between uh, premium versus standard formats, there would be an even bigger drop-off, an even bigger loss of audience. The reason I'm hammering this is this lost a lot of white males too. Clearly they're not coming out, but we need to stop blaming the core demographic for comic book films and Star Wars films as the problem. Two reasons. One, they're not, and I'm going to expand on that like a little later, but number two, actually, no, I'm explaining that right now. Okay. So there is the Kathleen Kennedy school of thought, which is what she did at star Wars when return, I'm sorry, return of the Jedi was not well received. It made a ton of money, but it was not well received by the fandom, at least not universally. It caused a ton of, Conflict, which still exists. It truly created a disturbance in the Force with the Star Wars universe. And I, it didn't work out for Kathleen Kennedy. So th- this is the stat people forget. The first Star Wars film that she made, um, The Force Awakens, made $2.1 billion. And the second film, The Return of the Jedi, or The Last Jedi, whatever the hell it was, Made one point four billion. Rise of Skywalker made one billion. Each film lost a third of its audience, and the reason I bring that up is how did the same audience that accepted, celebrated, and cherished Finn, Ray, and Poe in the first film turn into complete toxic trolls by the second and third film? Do we think it's because Rose kissed someone, or because they potentially desecrated a forty-year legacy, namely Luke Skywalker? And literally laughed and winked at us while we did it. Food for thought. Food for thought. But I am just so over this woke versus troll argument. I'm going to actually have a larger conversation about Marvel later. Um, And I will get into more of... I'll I'll get back on my soapbox there. But the reason this film didn't do well is because Marvel has been in a long rut. They've lost the goodwill of the fans. They've lost the goodwill of their core fans as well, both the casual and core fans. And the truth of the matter is they're just not making good movies. Or like, they don't make it with any consistency. Yeah, they used to have a Thor the Dark World or an Ant-Man and the Wasp. They would have a couple, a couple clunkers every now and then. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I think, is one of the worst films in the entire MCU. The Incredible Hulk of Ed Norton, which I actually like, I'm a defender of, but... Iron Man 2, there's been a couple of misfires or underwhelmers here and there, but the by, by and far, the trend has always been positive. No longer the case, and now like they keep, keep finding new lows. Um, and I don't consider this a new low, but I do consider Secret Invasion and much of what they put out the last two years as new lows. Okay. One last note to you, Kevin Feige. You, you literally lost the plot. But... Before I digress any further, right, I'm just going to go into the film. I'm going to say my, my, my aside for Kevin Feige later. What did I like about this film? There's actually a lot to like. There is a short runtime, and I know everyone's been hearing me complain about that for a while. To be fair, it's a bit of a double-edged sword here. There are a lot of underdeveloped plots, um, but at 145, it really covers a lot of the holes with the poorly written story. Uh, now, the irony is 
I think those holes could also be filled with 15 to 20 more minutes of well-acted, well-written dialogue. But I appreciate the short runtime. It really is helpful. Taking Making this 145 versus 220 is just very helpful. It could have made them a great deal of money on other projects, but I'm not going to... I'll save that feedback for another time. Definitely appreciated the short runtime. Now, that being said, one aside, I, I once again, I hear the short runtime being blamed for some of the plot holes or rushed character development or some of the fast resolutions they find. I don't blame that. I don't blame Nia DaCosta. I don't blame her for that. I don't blame the, even the writers, her and the other writers for this. Leading into this film, it was a sequel to a two-hour film in 2019 with Captain Marvel a nine-episode, five-hour series in WandaVision, a, I believe, five-hour, six-episode series for Miss Marvel, and likewise a five-hour, six-episode series for Secret Invasion, and none of the characters are in a position, really, other than Amon Vellani from Miss Marvel, who's one of the highlights, none of them are ready. They, none of them are in a position to start the story when it starts. We need to spend time, waste about 15 to 20 minutes setting up where all these characters are in their lives before they start swapping places. And that's not Nia DaCosta's fault. These, the beauty of an interconnected universe is you don't need to spend time on exposition and subplots when these characters have been introduced in another series. You pick up where you left off. And like you can do that in a way that doesn't compel... You can do that in a way that doesn't, that one is both organic for people who've seen it, and at the same time, not prohibitive to those who haven't seen all the MCU series. Okay, quick aside, like the short runtime. Other likes, and these next two are pretty connected, excellent chemistry between the leads. Seriously, Fiona Barris, Brie Larson, Amon Vellani, all excellent in their roles. Not only excellent in their individual roles, but as a pair as well. They, they are, it's funny because there's a lot, there are definitely some issues here with this film, uh, but they nailed, I think, the hardest part. They got the three leads, and again, they all crush it individually and as a team. Staying on that for a moment, Amon Vellani. I'm sure everyone's heard this already. She's great. She's beyond great. She's incredible. She's great in the Miss Marvel series too. While that series is a little underwhelming from a story standpoint, she herself is great and charismatic. If you want to know, if Marvel really wants to understand why they're suffering now, look at her performance in Miss Marvel and this film and compare it to pretty much, I would say, every other movie you've made since Shang-Chi, except for Guardians. It really helps when you have a lead who's engaged, inspired, motivated, and enjoying themselves. I don't know if that's the director. I don't know if that's their agent's fault. I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know if that's a cast chemistry thing, but... The fun, there's clearly something has been sterilized in these films and that charm and just a sense of fun they had and sense of magic is just gone. And, and I'm going to get in a moment. People like Sam Jackson, I think, are kind of the reason for that. And Don Cheadle, uh, some of the people who they kept from that original era who seem to just be totally over these roles and just collecting checks now. But not a complaint. I love them on Villani. She's incredible. She's great in this role. She's clearly the standout in the film. And I guess, actually, sorry. Oh, the, the three likes are all connected. Mon Vellani's family. 
Hello? McFly, hello? Uh, the Amon Vellani's family need to be... They should have been in this film more. I mean, that's leaving it. Zenobia Shroff and Mohan Kapoor are the parents. They need to be in this film more. They are excellent. They are lovely. They are funny. I love them. I love them both as characters, and I also love how they serve as representatives for the people, like for everyday people. They are eyes and ears. They are giving the reactions we would in this situation. And as stand-ins for the quote-unquote normies or normal people, they're amazing. I love them. Get the brother a wife so he's a little more interesting, or at least he has someone else to play off of. Uh, But the parents are incredible. The overall dynamic is incredible. And with Aunt May weirdly and sadly dead, still don't really fully understand why they did that, although I'm not complaining here, this is the stand-in for the family and the audience that you need. Love her family. They're incredible. Okay, those were the likes. And there there was a lot to like. Dislikes. First one, I already called that was Sam Jackson as Fury. I mean, people are calling Brie Larson's performance tired and uninspired, and yet I'm watching Sam Jackson give me like a B-plus Carl Winslow impression. What's going on? Like, I'm not trying to be mean here. Is he okay? Like, is he with it? Like, he's getting old. Does he he remember this character? Does he remember his performances pre-endgame? And can he compare his performances with pre-endgame and post-endgame Fury? It's an entirely different character. And I don't mean in subtle tones or changes. He is like a, he's a joke now. And I will say this, had this film come out before Secret Invasion, you could have had the plot being Fury was a Skrull imposter and everyone else was trying to figure that out. And the reason I say that is because this version of Fury is not one I've ever seen before. I don't believe he's actually Fury. And I'm just going to say, I can't believe I'm saying this, I am over Sam Jackson's Nick Fury. I I, I honestly think Secret Invasion gutted him from a character standpoint in terms of his capability and usefulness as, like, the world's best spy. That was, like, pretty tough. However, this film, for me, is just, like, I I mean, I I think I just don't even respect him anymore. Like, he's a joke. They just turned him into angry but lovable Grandpa Fury. It's not working for me, and I really think if Marvel wants to do something provocative, they should establish the next big bad. I really, it better not be Kang. I don't think it's going to be Kang. Uh, they should introduce the next big bad by having them kill off Fury. Just a thought. Could have been a good way to introduce a character like Darben, but maybe next time. Number two. The Marvels, just the title, the Marvels, the concept of them as a team. And I'm sorry, but this is a pretty deep nerd complaint. The Marvels don't exist as a concept outside this film. This, this team, this trio doesn't exist as an entity, either in the comics, in any cartoons I've seen, uh, anything I'm familiar with. And if they did, it's only been generated in the last four years or three years because of this project. And it's not an organic or iconic storyline. It was something that was manufactured by the Disney marketing machine to try and gin up interest in this project. I'm totally fine with combining them into a team. But I do ask at what cost. And this is where, like, the things that, the thing that hurt this film is outside of its control. We're four years, more than four years past Endgame. Where's the Avengers film? The, the, you're prioritizing this team over the Avengers? Over introducing the Fantastic Four? Over introducing Blade, over introducing the X Men, over introducing Deadpool. 
Kevin Feige had this comment where he said he was excited, as excited about seeing the three of these characters on screen as he's as he was seeing the OG Avengers in the 2020-12 Avengers movie. That's great, Kevin, and I actually do believe that he's sincere when he says that. But he's also the only one who feels that way. I've, I'm not. This isn't a sexist comment because if he had said the same thing, if he had done this with, for example, Shang Chi, the Winter Soldier. And U.S. agent, I would be saying the exact same thing. Or, you know, swap out U.S. agent, throw a Wong in there. If I would be saying the exact same thing I'm saying about those three male characters as I'm saying about these three female characters. They're not on the same level of fandom, iconicness, individually, or as a group. And that, to me, the comparison I had... Comparing the OG Avengers team up, that that one shot, to the one shot of these three characters in this film, it's kind of like comparing Babe Ruth calling his shot in the World Series to Nick Swisher, Nick Swisher waving at a fan before a game-winning double in the regular season. I love Nick Swisher. I'm a Yankee fan. I love Nick Swisher. I always have. I appreciate all that he did, but he's not Babe Ruth. I like Captain Marvel. I like Monica Rambeau. I like Kamala Khan. But they're not the Avengers, or X-Men, or the Fantastic Four, or Spider-Man, or Wonder Woman, or Batman, or Catwoman, or Superman. I get elevating obscure, underserved characters like Thor, or Guardians, or the Eternals, but creating a a new thing from whole cloth and expecting the same level of interest in genre, excuse me, same level of interest for a genre that's defined by adapting existing stories is a bit mind-boggling just from a business and development perspective for me. The Marvels doesn't, they don't exist in the comics. Marvels do, just quote, quote, Marvels, end quote, and it's a limited series by Alex Ross and Kurt Busiek, which is, which is pretty good. However, it's far inferior to their DC limited series, Kingdom Come. Um, but spoiler alert, none of those, none of the characters from the Marvels are even in that Marvel series. And I don't care as a fan. Like, I'm not mad. I'm like, it's no, no disrespect to that Marvel series. Like, I don't really care about that. But I, just from like a marketing standpoint, like, why this team? I, it just feels so, it feels prescriptive and it feels like artificial. Like, it just, it feels kind of forced together. And, and that's unfortunate. It didn't have to be either. I think there was a real good, I could see a better story in there. And I think there was an easier way to connect them. Okay. Third dislike. This is a big one. Uh, They dropped a trailer in the last week that was the most desperate, thirsty, and antagonizing ad I've ever seen. You may have seen this ad. It's it's a thirty minute ad. Spends like most of the time with on Thanos, Captain America, Iron Man, doing this voiceover, trying to establish uh, no, I'm excuse me, establishing a connection between him and the villain Darben indicating she is continuing his mission. I was so offended because even though I hadn't seen the film, I've been paying close enough attention, more importantly, I've seen the cast, the cast list, to know that Thanos wasn't in this. Robert Downey Jr. wasn't in this. Captain America wasn't in this. None of the original Avengers were in this, to my knowledge. And not only that, I knew it had nothing to do with the Infinity Saga. I knew it didn't. And the fact that they so blatantly lied to the audience and it felt like they were trying to bring me back in, people like me who didn't think it mattered, it, it was infuriating. 
I knew Marvel and Disney thought I was gullible, but I didn't realize they thought I was stupid. This just felt like the last in a long line of slaps in the face. And, and honestly, that dubious and duplicitous ad, along with the farce of the Secret Invasion finale, more so than anything, just that ad and that Secret Invasion finale has done more damage to the MCU brand than the Jonathan Majors scandal, Eternals disappointment, Ed Norton scandal, Edward Wright scandal, Terrence Howard scandal, and every other controversy, misfire, mistake, and underwhelming film they have ever produced. It is just mind-boggling. Last complaint. And again, this, is, this isn't... I don't think this is the fault of the film. This is a, it's the post credit scene, which was clearly inserted there by someone else. The X-Men drop. I'm sorry. I, I am not excited. I love these stingers. But you want me to be excited because I see a 60-year-old Kelsey Grammer with bad CGI playing Beast? Marvel. Come back to me. Please. Faggy. Please don't tell me your Hail Mary is going to be recasting excuse me, not recasting, using a bunch of 15, 60-year-olds from the old X-Men series for the next five years. Because I've, I've seen the films you have planned. This Secret Wars multiverse thing isn't ending until 2028. And that's assuming that you do not delay anything further, which I know you're going to have to do because of how deep of a hole you're in and how just lost you are creatively. You are going to ask me to wait five years before recasting my beloved X-Men, and until then, you're going to give me 50- and 60-year-olds playing these characters? Like, really? And and while I'm waiting for my beloved X-Men, you're going to make, before them, you're choosing to prioritize the Thunderbolts over over the X-Men, over an Avengers film, over the Fantastic Four, over a new Spider-Man film, over Deadpool, over a new Black Panther film, over even a new Doctor Strange film. Please tell me you're not doing that. Like, this can't be their play. If this is just a quick side character and they're just one, they're like the big X-Men and we get the A-X-Men, that's great. But I really hope their play isn't just reusing the Fox X-Men cast because that's... If they thought this was disappointing, they're going to be incredibly underwhelmed. Uh, excuse me. They're going to be overwhelmed by the backlash if they just reuse a bunch of failed ideas from a failed universe in the Fox universe. So, warning shot, Marvel. Uh, if I were you, I would pivot quickly and recast the X-Men as soon as possible. Please do. One more note while we're staying on this universe and this new X-Men team. I love Lashana Lynch. I didn't understand for the life of me why they killed her off off screen in WandaVision. I really, like, mind-blowing to me. But now, I'm sorry. I'm, I love Lashana Lynch. I'm over Maria Rambeau, this character. I'm sorry. This is the third version of Maria Rambeau I've seen. I've already watched her die twice, and now she's the fourth version of Miss Marvel. I'm, I'm sorry. I read the comic books... I read the Marvel wikis. I have a bunch of Marvel encyclopedias here. I'm a fanboy. I watch all the shows. I go to the movies opening night. I see them multiple times. I have a podcast. I like to talk about it. I'm having a hard time keeping up with you guys, your logic and who I'm supposed to care about and not. But once again, you want me to be excited about 
the third Maria Rambeau, fourth Miss Marvel. Like, uh, really? Like, where is the quality control in these writers' rooms? It's just, it's mind-blowing. And the fact that Marvel can't do stingers anymore. Woo! Trouble. Real, real trouble. Hello, everybody. We are taking a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. Thanks for your patience, and talk to you soon. Okay, okay. Those are the dislikes. Now, I normally don't do this, but I do feel compelled to actually throw up a few defenses on this film. First... Poor Zawe Ashton. I didn't even know she was Tom Hiddleston's fiance. That makes me love her more. Uh, but she's bearing a huge, she's bearing a lot of the brunt of the backlash here. Was she a boring villain? Yeah. But was she underserved by the story? Yeah. Was she conceptually more interesting than Malekith, Darren Cross, and Ronan the, the Accuser and Whiplash? Yeah, absolutely. But her role was also clearly killed in the editing room. And these films also, these, the performance of these films cannot be blamed on good or bad villains because we have, there's enough data, we have logged enough data to know that does not matter. Good heroes, excuse me, interesting heroes with good stories works. And if you notice, to prove that, if you notice one thing about the villains I mentioned earlier, Malekith, Darren Cross, Whiplash, and Ronan the Accuser, all of their films succeeded financially, and even actually outperformed this film critically, despite their weak villainy. So blaming Zawe Ashton, I feel like is, like that to me is like, that feels like toxic trolldom. Like the people blaming this on Zawe Ashton, that to me, like you can just look that as that is a disingenuous argument in my opinion. Likewise, I'm, I'm sorry. People are throwing a ton of shade at Brie Larson. First, uh, I've heard her comments that maybe people don't want me to be Captain Marvel and blah, blah, blah. Like, you're getting paid millions of dollars to be in a billion-dollar movie, or at least you were prior to this. Uh, no, and you were in Endgame, which also made billions of dollars. So, hey, Brie Larson, if you don't want to be Captain Marvel, please don't be Captain Marvel. Like, I, I am I'm over it. I do not – Dave Bautista complaining about Drax. I, I'm over it. If you don't want to be these characters, don't be these characters. But I, don't sign up for the money – you get all of that money because of the fandom. You can then complaining about the fandom because you took the money to be part of this universe. It, it's frustrating for me as a fan. I, I have nothing against Dave Bautista or, or Brie Larson, but don't act like you're doing me a favor. There are millions of actors out there. There's only one Captain Marvel, or excuse me, Carol Danvers. I guess there's 10 Captain Marvels, but if you don't want to be her, let someone else be because she is an important character. But now, with all that being said, I like Brie Larson as Carol Danvers. I, 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 and I'm just confused. Is she the new Anne Hathaway? Do people have like some inherent subconscious hatred toward this woman, like Hill Dog and the aforementioned Anne Hathaway? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Her story arc was also clearly killed in the editing room. And likewise, everyone's praising the chemistry of the cast and specifically Amon Vellani, but no one's acknowledging. She's part of the chemistry. And Vellani's performance is coming opposite of Bree's. And Tiona Paris is, is also coming opposite of Bree Larson's. I'm just, like, it's very bizarre. Like, and that to me is another, 
vein of, of trolldom. I don't think it's like toxic fandom, but I think it is an unfair argument that some people are latching on to try and explain this. I mean, was Brie Larson great? No. Is she underserved by the story? Yes. I think making her a Space Jesus character in her first film wasn't especially wise. I also think likewise, further overpowering her in Endgame by showing her literally overpowering Thanos who has a full and fun Infinity Gauntlet really robs her of any... It makes it really hard to connect with her as a character. Now, that being said, I think they had the answer there and their approach of contrasting her power with the powerlessness of her with political situations, like the refugees of the Skrull and the Kree-Skrull War. I think that was an alluring and rich source of conflict and a really great way to kind of show the limitations of her power. But it's underserved in the series. It's definitely underserved here. Uh, but no, nah, this film, I don't think, it didn't fail because of Brie Larson either. Last offense, The Singing Planet. Was it stupid? Yeah. Was it made with me in mind? No. Does it ruin the film for me? Not at all. They, no. They tried something new. And uh, as I said, I know they were trying to go for a younger, more female, more diverse audience. Having... Singing in there, it, it doesn't bother me. It, I, I didn't like it, but it did not ruin the movie for me at all. Like, it, I think people, again, I think, I think the issue with a singing planet is more symptomatic of a larger problem as opposed to the, the reason why... It is symptomatic of a larger problem. It is not the problem of the actual film. They tried something new. Uh, again, I don't know if it worked. I don't, I don't know many people who liked it. Um, I feel like a lot of the things I've heard have been kind of mixed or negative. But, yeah, I mean, they tried. I, I don't begrudge them that. I've been seeing, as we've talked about, 33 of these films, I feel like a million of this series. Yeah, I don't care if you take a swing and miss. You just have to, you have, to have some hits. And when you have more strikeouts than hits you get in this situation. So I don't think I've ever done defenses before of a film, at least that, that in depth, but I wanted to, because I do think there's, I feel like I, now looking back, I feel like I said some contradictory things. I do not blame toxic fandom or trolls for this failure, but they still exist. And the things they're latching onto, to me feel like blaming Brie Larson, the singing planet and Zali Ashton. Like that, that's not it folks. This film to me, the war was lost in the writing room because this isn't, and this is almost impossible to say. I do admit, in high, and it, it can be very difficult to say with hindsight that this isn't the team or film fans wanted. At the same time, at 2019, looking out down the roadmap, if someone, if I was in that room and someone told me, we're not going to get an Avengers movie, we're not even going to get an Avengers team up until 2026, 2027, I would be ringing the bells and raising every red flag I could that you were moving away from your flagship franchise for eight years after spending, what, 11, 12 years building it? It just, it's not their fault. This film was lost strategically in the writing room and in the executive suite. And it was also lost tactically in the editing room. I don't know for sure. It, 
I think there is a better two-hour film in there. Um, or maybe it's an hour, 45-minute film with one of the action scenes cut or cutting out some of the exposition at the beginning. I, I don't know. There's a better film in there. And I feel bad for Nia DaCosta. I liked Candyman. Um, I think she's doing a new film with Tessa Thompson about some historical figure. Um, doesn't seem like it's right up my alley, but I'll probably see it at some point because I like her and I like Tessa Thompson and I want to support them. So it's, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, this film has problems. Unfortunately for it, I think it's bearing a lot of the brunt of the backlash from Ant-Man Quantumania and more specifically Secret Invasion and even a longer run of projects basically since Hawkeye. Some people might include Hawkeye in that. I think everything since Hawkeye came out has been like just diminishing returns especially. Okay. I've been talking for a long time here about the Marvels. I'm giving, for the score, this is going to sound crazy with probably how many complaints I had, but I'm giving it a 5.5 out of 10. Uh, the film has f- plenty of problems. The story is half-baked and open-ended, which is not a great recipe. However, however, the film has a brisk pace, which enables the viewer, and it moves so fast, as you're, moving, as you're sitting in the actual story, you're overwhelmed in a good way by the fast pace, the character charm, the cast chemistry, and three good action scenes that use, and wait for it here, practical stunts and real people instead of just CGI goop. Those things, that recipe of a strong lead, humor, good cast chemistry, and good action, which uses CGI with practical effects, is a pretty good recipe. Had this film come out a year ago, I think we'd be having a different conversation. I think it would be in that Thor Love and Thunder range where it's between seven and 800 million. Um, this film is certainly better than Thor Love and Thunder. It's definitely better than Quantumania. Uh, I think it's better than Ant-Man and the Wasp. I need to rewatch it to kind of evaluate, but I really enjoy this film for what it is. It is a single use. To me, it's, this is like a single use cut. I enjoyed it. I mean, I'm going to watch it again, but there's nothing specifically I want to go back for in this film other than just to kind of get a better understanding of how I feel about it. There's, there was no moment where I was cheering. There was no standout moment for me where I felt like that tingle that I did. Uh, it sounds tingle. It sounds like Aunt May talking about Peter Parker, but I haven't felt that that energy and that connection like I did when Ant-Man went big in Civil War, when Tony Stark said, admitted he was Iron Man, when anytime Captain America said I could do this all day, anytime T'Challa screamed Wakanda forever, like I, those moments, the Avengers assemble line, like granted, those are hard things to build to, but they used to have one of those every film. I got a couple of those feelings in the Ant-Man films, like it, the fact that they failed to hit that emotional beat with me at all in this film is disappointing. At the same time, it's fun. I liked it. Uh, it's not the worst MCU film. It's not my favorite. It's not the best though. It has some flaws, uh, but unfortunately the biggest flaw and the biggest thing against this film is timing. It Again, if this, I think, come out a year ago or maybe even a year from now, I think it would be in a much better position. But uh, just given the landscape, the overall comic book movie landscape and more specifically Marvel, this is kind of bound to happen.
All right, this is going for 40 minutes. This is the longest one I've done, but I, the reason I felt it was necessary to go so in-depth, there is so much vitriol. There's so much, there is a lot of uh, clutter out there, but for someone who like talks to real fans and really like listens to a lot of different sources, both mainstream and uh, a little more in the YouTube murky corners, that sounds a little creeper than this, but offbeat or low subscription YouTube uh, talking Heads is probably a better way to describe it. I, I'm not sensing a ton of toxic fandom. I'm just sensing a ton of disappointment. And there's definitely hanging on the rim, uh, whether that's the Snyder Flash fanboys or just the regular haters, the woke trolls, the regular trolls. I don't know. A lot of people hanging on the rim here in terms of Marvel like kind of falling down. Uh, they're definitely not done yet. Uh, they do have a ton of issues, though. I'm going to actually do a podcast later expanding on all the issues they have but and what I think they can do to get out of them. But now this was a – this film, I was pleasantly surprised going into it. And one of the things I forgot, which I know I usually start with this, I did not see this film opening weekend. I purposely – I was planning on sitting out as – I was going to pl- – always plan to see it Monday. Uh, I wanted to – I, w- I wanted to send a message to Marvel, knowing how important those opening weekends are, demonstrating that I was unhappy. I have been watching every series the day it comes out on Disney+. Plus. I have seen every film opening night. Or, excuse me, I've seen every film opening weekend. I have seen every Marvel film since Blade in 1998 opening weekend. That's 10 years before there was even a Marvel Studios. That was just the first in my mind modern Marvel movie. Every movie I've seen opening weekend. Every MCU film I've seen opening night or early. I purposely chose this film not because I hate Nia DaCosta or any of the characters. I purposely chose this film in order to quote-unquote protest for two reasons. One, it is the first thing to come out since Secret Invasion. And two... They really hammered home how goofy and silly it was. And that, to me, just... I, I knew it was going to be inconsequential as a larger story. And, and guess what? It was inconsequential as a larger story. N- nothing really changed. It, n- nothing changed for me. N- the characters didn't even really grow at all. It was... Nothing changed at all. Like, and so I, I felt bad when there was that huge backlash. I, I didn't... And the reason I spent so much time explaining everything was this wasn't a... I didn't set out this opening weekend because of the characters. And I later heard that there was only one, one white male in a supporting role, um, but there, there were no major white male leads. I, I didn't even recognize that as we watched. And I, I don't think most people did. I think the fans who you have for comic book films don't really care about... Like, the people who go to these films, support these films... Like they don't really care about that stuff. I, I'm gonna expand on that in my later podcast, but yeah, I, I was. Oh, I forgot. I was, I was planning on. I forgot to finish my thought. I was planning on uh, boycotting this film for those reasons. Those two reasons. I thought it was inconsequential. It's the first thing to come out since Secret Invasion. Third, there was a third reason. The worst marketing campaign I've ever seen. Very misleading, very duplicitous, very deceptive. And it really was, I've never been more insulted as a viewer. Not an MCU fan, as an actual movie fan. As someone who remembers going to the movies with my parents, like watching Silverado with my dad on TV, 
going to see Blade with my mom in 1998 opening night. I have never been so insulted to see such a misleading ad showing a story that didn't exist and characters who weren't in the movie. Like, mind-blowing. Marvel? Marvel needs to look themselves in the mirror and they need to take the right lessons away from this film. More importantly, they can't look at it in a vacuum. They need to look at it as everything that's come out since Endgame and really take account of what's going on. I'll have some thoughts on that later. Thank you guys for joining me. I'm sorry this has gone on so long. Thank you for spending your time with me. Yeah, this is the Marvels. Wow, longest mini-sode ever, but a lot to talk about. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you all soon. Later.